Welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking. You know all this by now. It's indie films, studio films, everything in between. How to get them made, how to make them, and how to try not to F it up, in our very, very humble opinion. Today we're talking about making a crime drama, getting a big release, and working with big stars on the new film Tango One. I am Giles Alderson, producer of horror comedy A Serial Killer's Guide to Life, director of the vampire documentary World of Darkness, and the psychological horror feature film The Dare, starring Richard Brake, Bart Edwards, Richard Short, and Harry Jarvis, who is starring in the upcoming Two Hours and MSND, which is short for Midsummer Night's Dream, which we will be talking about on this podcast. As always, we're coming from Just Voices Studios. I don't need to tell you how good it is here. It's brilliant. If you need ADR, if you need voiceovers done, if you want your podcast recorded, come here. They are fantastic. They will look after you. Get in touch with them, justvoicesagency.com. Speak to Simon, speak to Lee. Right, my co-host today is the wonderful actor and producer who has starred in Disney's The Lodge and starred and produced in the thriller Retribution. And he's just come back from conservation work in Kenya. Welcome back. Dan Richardson. Oh, thanks. Hello, mate. Doesn't matter how many times I hear it, I always love the intro. Thanks. Pleasure, pleasure. Thanks you're in Kenya. Do it again. No. Okay. You'll hear it next week if you're on next week. Yeah, I'll be here. All right, good. Um, just just the, until the end. Just intro. The intro. Then, yeah, just get out. Um, so you enjoyed Kenya? Yeah, I enjoyed it. We were filming a documentary, and, and I enjoyed it. But it's always very difficult as well because you see the the dark side, you know, on the, not the Star Wars dark side, the the you know animal conservation issues, and it's horrible. So you have to mm. kind of see it really firsthand. It gives you a better appreciation for it. And it makes you more determined to help, but it's it's tough sometimes. But yeah, it's a, an amazing country. And it's going to be an amazing documentary to watch out for called We Are One. We Are One. Yeah. Great. And when, a couple of months, maybe next year? I would year? think probably next year because okay. there's lots of filming to do around the world. It's going to be amazing. That is going to be amazing. I can't wait. And you're doing that with... So that's with Katie Cleary from Peace for Animals. She's the president of Peace for Animals. She's also got the documentary called Give Me Shelter, which was out uh, a year or two ago yes. on Netflix. Yes. Award-winning documentary. Pretty amazing. Pretty hard-hitting. This one's going to be even better. We had Hunter Nolan on the on the camera as DOP he did Before the Flood with DiCaprio he did Racing Extinction and um, uh, Game Changers with oh, yeah, award yeah. winning uh, Oscar winning Louis who did the codes so, so it's going to look amazing it looks incredible the rushes we saw were unbelievable and what are you doing in it you're presenting, presenting talking to talking to people for example who run rhino sanctuaries in Kenya and various different things it's incredible it's a really important documentary so it's, it's all about highlighting uh, endangered species and, and plights that animals are facing these days across the world, every continent, every species, all human-made. And then it's more, more about highlighting and emphasizing those people who are trying to reverse it and protect the species. So it's, it's going to be really important. Amazing. And at the moment, you're raising money for, for, a, for, for an Invisalign. Re- for an Invisalign and a really good cause. So what's the, the, the new cause at the moment, though? You're just, it's like you've, it's never-ending. You're giving to the world and it's wonderful. Do you mean our thing? No. Not even that. Not even our thing, which we will talk about in the future. But I'm talking about the thing of raising money for at the moment. You do so much. Raw for lions. Raw for lions. Yeah, so we're going to climb 20,000 feet up mountains and buildings. We need tall buildings, by the way, if anyone knows. I know a few. I mean, I know the buildings. The Shard have said no. The Canary Wharf Tower have said no, because I think they're all scared of security risks and stuff. Especially you running up it. Precisely, yeah. or walking very slowly up it. Mm. But the the uh, the idea is to hit twenty thousand feet of ascent, and that's because there's twenty thousand lions left in the wild, which no one knows because everyone thinks that lions, are, you know, an iconic species, and it's never going to go uh, extinct. It's on. It's there's less than rhino. 
There's less lion than rhino. Wow, I didn't know that. And they're being hunted left, right and centre. Human conflict, because population growth and stuff. So we're, we're doing it for the Born Free Foundation, for whom I'm, I'm a patron. Wow. And, um, yeah, we're going to try and raise 50 grand. Wearing my Born, born Free, um, what would you call it? Wristband. Wristband. At the moment. Here you go. It's an unusual So, And where can people um, pledge to this wonderful cause? Just giving, just type in a search on Raw for Lions and you'll find it. And it's R O A R. Correct. Correct. Yeah, not Raw as in don't cook it. Yeah. Because it'd be weird. No one eats Save the lion, eat it raw. Weird. Um, so there'll be a link, obviously, in the show notes to this radio. But you just kind of ruined your nice thing. But there will be. A link in the show notes to all that. Do pledge to Dan's charity. Thanks. It is amazing. We have got something very exciting to tell you very soon. Very soon. That myself and Dan are doing. We're very excited by that. Yeah. Good. Right, remember, subscribe to us, iTunes, get us rocking up the charts. We do love that. And listen to us on SoundCloud, Podbean, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Powercast, Tribulation Saints Radio, Overcast, the Britpod scene, Spotify. Maybe we're on Spotify now. I applied. It's an arse. It's a real arse to get your podcast on Spotify. Um, apparently we're up there now. Anyway, if we are, we are. Do you Exciting. ever wonder <clears throat> if there's life on another planet and they might be listening to us? Because we wouldn't know. <laughs> well, they won't know for another ten years. Because it well, would take that long. That's, only get, our, that's based that, on our technology. That's true. Their technology might be better than that. They might have a thing. Like a, what, like a rewind sound. button on a tape player? No, it's like, yeah, I thought it was just that's how long the radio wave took rather than technology. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to yeah, crash their the radio waves. Their radio waves. Right. And it's internet waves. Yeah, but now, it's not their it? radio. It's our radio waves that's going out there. Unless they're hijacking our radio waves, which is why sometimes they don't work properly. They're probably and listening live. They so could they be listening live. live. You know, now, no one like, else whatever. is in the world, but yeah. they are. I feel the four of us have no idea <laughs> what we're talking about. 100%. And, and, I, and, and, and I, I agree. And I, and, and, and I, but, but listen... Who 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 are those voices? I know. Talking about who, who are those it's voices? Very sad and dire. Are you alright? <laughs> who are them? Who are them voices? Oh dear. What's that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Why don't you introduce them? Yeah? All right, those voices are. They're joining us today. The the filmmaking team behind the new film Tango One. Is director and screenwriter Sasha Bennett. Hello, hello. hello. How and are you producer, doing? Producer Trisha. R- uh, wait, right. I should have asked you first. Yeah. Dyer. <laughs> Danny Dyer's <laughs> mum is here. How do oh my we, God. How do you pronounce your surname? So it's either Rabajic, which is the official way. Rabajic. Wait, wait, get them to do that, yeah. Rabajic. Is that, that sounds Rabajic, very Russian yeah. or Croatian? Polish. Polish. Yeah. You're doing slight Russian Russian accent. Is this click? A little bit excessive. I and mean, how do people pronounce it? Because you're going to say there's another Rybacek. way. Rybacek. Rybacek, that's how but I they, I've also had Robotchik, I've had Robotchik's whatever. Cool. I, you know, just whatever. Yeah. It's fine. Rybacek. So joining us as well is Trish Rabajic. Fine, sure. Fantastic. (laughs) So Sasha is a British writer, producer and director for film and television. As a filmmaker, he has worked with talents such as Bob Hoskins, Jenny O'Gutt and Stephen Burkhoff. He has created films for Hollywood Studios Independent Distributors. So he worked at Devilwood, Tuesday, which is a brilliant film with John Sim, Bonded by Blood. Uh, Outside Bets, that starred, uh, that was with Bob Hoskins. Get Lucky, Plastic, he wrote, which is a fantastic little film, Plastic. Um, we Still Call the Old Way, Armada, Beautiful Devils, which I actually worked as a first AD on, and The Pickups. Check that out. Um, you wrote that, didn't Small you? Small World. I know. We Still Steal the Old Way, uh, and MSND, which is a Midsummer Night's Dream. It's a reworking of it. It's starring the Dares, Harry Jarvis, and produced as well with Parkhouse Pictures. 
which is Steve and Tracy who are producing my upcoming feature, The Nobodies. And he's recently released Tango One, where he's director, writer, which stars Vincent Reagan and Joseph Wilson. And also joining him is Patricia, or Trish, and she's a producer who's overseen projects for every stage production, uh, loads of genres, and worked with massive stars. Loads of them, Mark Hamill, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and most recently, Timothy Spall. Her feature films include, again, Bonded by Blood, Rise of the Foot Soldier, We Still Killed the Old Way, Strippers vs. Werewolves. Uh, Airborne, I had to put that in. Um, which I actually really enjoyed, by the way. It's a good I've film. never seen it. Have you not? <laughs> no. It's actually decent. It's actually all right. And Martin Compton's great. Um, yeah. No, Air- he's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Airborne and, obviously, the recently... Um, released Tango One. They both run Three Wise Monkey Productions. Huge welcome to the Filmmakers Podcast. Trisha Rybacek, Robot Chick. Rybacek. Rybacek. And Sasha Bennett. Thank Hi, guys. You. Hey. Thank you welcome to the podcast. This <laughs> podcast, as you know, Pleasure. is all about helping indie filmmakers, supporting them, support indie film. That's what we do. So, um, let's start at the beginning, shall we? Hottest day of the year. Hottest day of the year. Sorry. Start there. <laughs> We've just had ice creams. We did. They were nice, weren't they? Thank you. Yeah. It's the best day to be locked up in a small recording studio. Yeah. It with is. complete strangers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's what it's about, right? Life. A padded. A padded, a padded, padded cell no, room. I mean, yeah. in double doors. Like even if we knocked on this one, we probably no couldn't one, get out. No I mean, one like would a hear a scream. Meeting. This is a horror yeah. film right here. You're locked in. <laughs> this is a finance meeting. <laughs> yeah, similar to a horror film. It's one of the two. All right, so yeah, let's start at the beginning. Um Trish, let's start with you started out working on Martin Scorsese's The Departed, right? Yes. Is that right at the beginning or was so it? So right at the beginning was um, I was doing a lot of, well, I wanted to be an actress, so that's right at the beginning. Ah, and okay. I, um, I, my grandma got me a role in a Polish film. Ooh, um, how did she do that? It, it was an advert on Polish TV because cool. my parents are Polish, so all the family back there. Went to Poland, did that. Um, yeah, really, really cool experience. Wanted to pursue that. Years later down the line, I sort of decided, okay, well, I should probably get into the film maker mm-hmm. side of it as well, just so I understand the process. My parents didn't really want to let me go into drama school full time. And then just after uni, I thought, I'm going to go to New York Ooh. with a bunch of friends. Yeah. And we're going to start up a British production company in New York, just off the cuff, as you do. I love I mean, that. sure, really? why not? Yeah, why not? Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. One of them didn't get a visa. The other one oh. went and came back for my leaving party. So I just <laughs> went out there by myself oh. and managed to get some work over there. And then, yeah, decided very early on, um, on a set of a movie with Jude Law that you know what, I really just want to learn this side of the industry. And if I still want to be an actress so many years down the line, Mm -hmm. then I'll do what all the Friends cast have done, which is put myself in my movies. Yes. And, uh, and haven't really looked back since then. Isn't that that interesting? So many of the guests we had, especially in the early stages where we started talking about what is, what does it take to make an indie film? Mm. So many say, just do it, just get out there and do it. You just talked about, you just did it. You went to New York. Mm. The others didn't. Where are they? They're not here. They're not our guests. No, they're not. No. No. Next no, week. Next, next week they are. Next yeah, week. But not now. Not today. <laughs> Vinnie Jones and... <laughs> he went to New York. Um, that's a great start. Yeah. yeah. How was it working on The Departed though? Because I love that film. Was that amazing Yeah, so experience? I did the pickups on The Departed. Okay. Um, and it was just five days in a warehouse. Um, just as luck would have it, um, next door there was a gas explosion. So a building fell down next to our warehouse. So that was fun. That was fun. Um, but yeah, seeing Michael Ballhouse work and, mm. and sort of obviously, obviously that relationship with Scorsese was just incredible. Um, and 
unbeknown to me, I worked with Martha Pinson on that film, mm. who's Mar- Martin Editor. Scorsese's script supervisor. Mm. And then I worked with her in London on her first feature film that she directed with Stuart Brennan. And ah, yes. Yeah, with Seb Street. So, so yeah, it's kind of nice the way that all kind of That's did a, a full circle. Story. Yeah. But That's... no, I loved it. And it, it was really interesting to see that kind of grandeur of production because I, I hadn't been used to that you know and, and here I was doing really low budget indie films where I was putting my own savings into it and mm-hmm. helping my friends out and you know inevitably you don't ever get paid back what you're owed and blah 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 so so yeah to see it on the other side of the, the coin and I sort of worked on American Gangster at the same time and, and Spider-Man 3 so just totally like wow you wow. know stars in their eyes sort of stuff yeah, so, yeah. so yeah then came back to the UK couldn't and get nothing a was different right <laughs> Still huge. I mean, it was 2007. Mm-hmm. Came back to the UK, and I was like, "Look at me, really big ego about me." You know, right. um, I've just worked on the biggest films of 2006, 2007, and the recession hit. So mm-hmm. I became an estate agent. <laughs> wow! Yeah, oh. and then Martin Scorsese's estate agent, <laughs> yeah. but, but nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, and then I decided um, I'm going to start producing whilst I'm doing that because my dream is still just to be creative, be a, a film producer. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, just slowly sort of did that, left the estate agency and, and off we went. So, That's yeah, it was, it's a very sort of slow process, <clears throat> but it felt that I I wanted to learn my craft. I didn't want to be one of these producers who jumps into producing. I, I want to understand every single bit of the process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was, you know, the production manager, the line producer, the location manager, mm-hmm. the runner, like doing the Costco runs on the weekends to get the ch- cereal 5p cheaper. Driving um, a Luton van. Driving yeah, a Luton van. Yeah. There's not a job I still haven't done to this day where I dro- don't drive a Luton van. It just feels wrong otherwise. <laughs> yeah, um, and yeah, and then and that was kind of it. So, so yeah. And I, you know, I still dip into those areas and I, you know, Sasha and I location manage quite a lot of our own films because we know we can get hold of mm-hmm. great locations that we love. And yeah, that was kind of, I love it. What was the first, what was the, when you came back from New York and you, well, actually after you stopped being on the stage and yeah. while well, you were still doing it, whichever the one, yeah. what was the first film you produced there that you got off the ground? Uh, so I was working, um, I, I think it was probably like Jack said in the last oh, seven. Yeah. So, okay. And Sasha, let's, let's talk about you because again, you, you, you were an actor for a little while. You were doing, you were in Blackadder. Right? Yes. But was that, was that your beginning? Because I know you... It, uh, it was very much my way to job. I, I always wanted to direct and be behind the camera. Okay. And uh, as a 16, 17-year-old, when I wrote to everyone and just said, so I'm ready to be a film director now. Mm. This is pre-internet. No one replied to any of my letters. So it was kind of Bastard. like, so how on earth do I get on set yeah. without my dad being a producer or exactly. a financier or yeah. a famous actor? And I was in theatre and, and, and I just kind of got an agent and, and, and kind of managed to get on sets, but it was always a stepping stone to get onto a film set, watch how a film is made and learn on the shop floor because I couldn't afford to go to film school. And, I, you know, I'd still argue that it's the best film school in the world is just to sit there mm, watching great. a film play out because mm-hmm. you see the disasters, you see the triumphs, you see how actors can be brilliant and how mm-hmm. actors can be difficult. And you, you, you just pick up all those tips that you can't get from a book or indeed probably a film school but so, you can from a podcast <laughs> <laughs> this is the, yeah okay this is the second best film school thank you, thank you. <laughs> that's going down as a quote <laughs> um so no it was it was always very much a stepping stone and i did get lucky like working with blackhead it was an incredible experience and and working with god rest him rick mail and 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 kate moss on her first ever acting job who 
who bought me a couple of pints of Stella and drove me back home. You know, so th- th- wonderful memories, but but not really what I actually wanted to do. I wanted to be the guy sat in the chair going action. It's, it's a great way to get into it. I agree. I come from the acting side as well, and I think it's a really you've learned so much doing it. And, and in fact, actors are on set much more than directors. They're constantly watching where the camera's going, and if you're clever and that's what you want to do, you can sit and watch all day and go, okay, look, that's where they shot that. Okay, they're changing lens to this size. That means we're close mm. up. You can really do it. I think it's a great way to, to approach it. Well, I've always said also that every anyone that wants to direct should act as first agreed yeah because it's it's i've taught at film schools and it's funny that that talking to actors is is the big scary bit for any potential director and i'd having done it 28 years now it's kind of like well i don't understand why you're scared of actors they're just human beings and sometimes they're famous sometimes they're not famous but but the students always generally go oh they have so many questions they keep challenging me on everything and i'm like that's because they want it to be good Mm -hmm. if they weren't asking you questions and turning up like some actors that you were telling us about i'm not going to mention names what do you mean (laughs) i I didn't catch the name um (laughs) so much i trust him if they're they're not asking questions and not involved and and not kind of getting in you know being a part of the production or caring Mm -hmm. then you're screwed because you know they're not going to give a good performance because they don't care So this is what I try and tell the students. And, and the, the best way of learning what an actor needs, what an actor wants to hear, and, and that can be just, here's your backstory, or that was amazing, but, or, you know, I'm not sure why you were laughing through that scene because, you know, your wife's just died. It, it, if you've been in front of the camera, you, you know the questions an actor's going to have then. And, and I, yeah, even if it's just you and some mates with an iPhone going out for the weekend, you be an actor... And then you'll you'll become a much better director because of that. Yeah, you understand what goes through an actor's mind. You understand that they're on the screen. It's their face. They don't want to look stupid. They want to know what they're doing. And it's so important for them to know that. And the only way they can do that is if the director talks to them. Yeah, I think that's really sensible. Yeah. Makes and sense. also an, an interesting thing that happened back early in, in my directing career was some actors would come on and go, oh, so good that you've been an actor. You're one of us. You're mm. in our club. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm not. You're you're an amazing actor. I was terrible. <laughs> but if it's going to help us get through the day, yeah, great. But we'll go with that. I was as amazing as you are. But I think it's, uh, you know this from sort of the acting side and then you're producing how it, it just makes such a difference to, mm. for as an actor to have a director who's acted or can talk to mm. actors. It's, it's it vital. It down the barriers, doesn't it? Mm. Instantly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's true from the production side as well. Because if you've mm. been a runner and you've had to mop up those flooded toilets on set, yep. you know, and you can't then tell someone to do that without having to pitch in or do it yourself. And so just I think that relation, it's more about relationships with people. If you can, you know, I've been there, I've done that. I understand what you're going through. Let's kind of pitch in and do this together. And mm. I think that's very much as filmmakers, that's what we are. We're sort mm. of very collaborative in our efforts, but we're all just willing to just totally pitch in and everything and yeah, that mutual understanding of we're all here in this together to try and make the best that we can of this situation. Yes. We we were always, and I try and install this in, in students and, and, and sort of younger crew that join me, we will always, if we're moving set, pick up something and carry it with us mm-hmm. to the next set. Yeah. There's no point being that dick that's going, oh, can amazing. you carry my coffee and, you know, I don't care if it takes longer to start the next scene because I've not bothered to carry an apple box. Mm-hmm. And I think once the crew see a director or producer doing that, 
it just makes everyone mm. realise we're all going in the same direction. Yeah. We're all a team rather than some horrible pyramid thing totally agree i love picking stuff up and there's usually someone yeah. come up no you can't take that and you're like no no i don't mind i'm all right to take it let yeah. me take it but on the big movies you get done for that yeah you do the, yeah the guilds will absolutely well, well yeah. they almost go down the fining room mm-hmm. like you've touched my shit how yeah. fucking dare you? insurance reasons and, all well yeah, yeah exactly it's like yeah. but i'm just moving some cups some <laughs> you know like what the hell but indie film level it's okay yeah. to do that mm. oh yeah it's and it right. should be like we should yeah. all grow together you know, rather mm-hmm. than instantly separating ourselves out in a hierarchy. Yes. I, d- I just don't understand that mentality. Yeah. I mean, I really look forward to when I can do that. I'm joking. Just go take that for me, darling. There's my effing copy. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But your first sort of directing gig then would have been Deadwood, right? Uh, Deadwood, Deadwood was would have been my Deadwood. first short. I mean, in terms of mm. directing, I, I lived in Cambridge for about 10 years and... I got invited to BBC Cambridgeshire and Q103, to, uh, which is the local indie radio, to do film reviews. Mm. I was working in marketing at the Warner Brothers Cinema, which is now View. And the local cable TV station went, oh, this guy's good. He's sort of funny and, you know, sarcastic about the films and all the rest of it. So let's get him in to film review on the show. So mm. I had a meeting with him. I said, well, I want to film it, but I don't want to do it just as a studio show. I want to go out and film the reviews as if they were part of the film. So uh, Ronin we did as a kind of a chase sequence. So I was driving around and running on foot chase, and but reviewing the film at the same time. I mean, way ahead of its time, guys. Mm. I mean, it's still, it's still, still, still not been done. <laughs> um, so once I got my feet under the table at this, at this cable channel called Red TV, they said, uh, what else do you want to do? And I was like... What you guys need is some comedy, so let's do a hidden camera show, having learned from Make My Day, mm-hmm. uh, and let's do uh, a sketch show, which we called Lead Balloon, way ahead of its time as well. Indeed, another then, Lead Balloon. Yeah, yeah, that came out about four years later. Oh. So, yeah, it was still in legal action now. <laughs> um, and so, we did, yeah, we did this sort of hidden camera show, which was kind of very very brass eye and and did uh, local issues for local people in cambridge mm. and, and just went out protect we had bbc tv stickers on the side of our cameras and we I, I me and another guy dressed up in suits and did the whole wow this is uh bbc norfolk blah, blah, blah. so they're going to drain the river cam and turn it into a bus lane between ely and cambridge <laughs> what do you feel about that <laughs> and you, it's when you when you when you wind up the general public about local issues oh, yeah, i'm off. in the footage so so that was kind sign of, here please <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. that yeah. so that was kind of first experience and then in terms of uh from that i then got a couple of pop promos mm-hmm. i did some visuals for the we will rock you musical oh nice very early that was sort of the first five years i think they used my kind of visual stuff and then because of all that i managed to convince three of my friends to t- put some money into the short devilwood right. um of which i never understood the point of short films have you ever Done a short yeah, film? loads. I, I only recently found we, one of our shorts. What I produced got uh, Sundance Channel. It got various big sort of places and distributed well. The short that I directed has just got distributed on Shorts TV. Brilliant. Right. So suddenly something's coming back, but it's a real effort and really hard work. And it's t- you know, it's two years later, and you kind of like, oh, I wish probably should have released it by now. But what it did do, I think at the time, was gave me a platform to show investors mm. and producers when trying to make my feature i have done work and it is decent standard we've mm. got some names in it i, I can work with actors yeah. so that was really useful but most of the time it's yeah it's 
give and take. Depends how much money you're spending on. If you're going to spend ten grand on it, make a feature. Basically, would be my advice. Don't do that. Make a feature. Yeah, I mean that that was kind of always my like, huh? Because I was going to some short film festivals and watching stuff and going, what was the budget of fifty thousand, a hundred thousand? Mm. It had that amazing actor, and you go, what that? Yeah, what why, for why? eight why? minutes of two people looking at each other, and then someone goes, I hate you. <laughs> Kurt <laughs> <Fan>. <laughs> I was like, what? But then a friend of mine in Australia, uh, uh, Gavin Scott Davis, who's an actor and, and just got frustrated that he kept, he's a very pretty young man and he kept getting commercials all the time and, and like, you know, all those kind of gigs rather than proper decent film roles. So he got incredibly frustrated and wrote himself and directed a short film that he was in with uh, uh, an actor called Lionel Haft, who's now been in five of mine because he was just fantastic. Mm-hmm. And, I was like, oh, mate, why have you done that? You've sunk $20,000 into it. And blah, blah, blah. He said, I just had to do it. And then within six months, he'd won 28 international awards. He had an LA agent. He had Kate Blanchett's agent in Sydney um, signing him up. Wow. I was like, wow. oh, that's why you do a short film. Yeah. <laughs> so, it, can, it can work. If you do them right, yeah. it can work. No, I agree. Yeah. I, and I mean, I've kind of always had that mentality. It's like, just go and do on. The, the big stuff like do a feature mm. but in the last month we've been involved in three short films and mm. one of them is is our own another one was with toby spanton who's a first ad okay. so he's um welcome to the powder keg and hannah island and then we're doing our yeah our own called um ethel which is about alzheimer's and the mm. things we've managed to pull in maybe because we've done these features background yes. to what we're actually doing mm-hmm. now has been in- incredible and i think for me as a producer on it it's I can really hone in all my skills now and prove that I can produce the shit out of it, Absolutely. you know, and, and yeah. really kind of showcase to the world that, yeah, we can now go out and win all these awards mm-hmm. and do this and that. And I, I do think shorts are worth it. But for a long time, I, I didn't see that kind of link. Mm. And I think now because everything's digital, you can get yourself out there internationally really easily, enter all these film festivals, just have to be careful which ones you enter because a lot of them are money scamming, yeah, obviously, yeah. things. Um, yeah, just do it. It's a proof of concept of who you what are you as a filmmaker, I, I isn't it? you're right. So, the distribution and digital technology now is, is yeah. allowing things to be seen. And like say with Shorts TV. Mm. So when I did Devilwood was over 10 years ago now, uh, I think without a box had just started. Right. Just. And uh Shorts TV hadn't signed their deal with Apple and, and, and Amazon and, and you're sending you. off DVDs in the post. Mm. DVDs, mm. ten yeah. by eight photographs. Yes. And it, every just pack I sent out costs cost probably five, ten pounds to produce. And mm. then because you needed to insure it, so you made sure it got there, it was another twelve quid because it's going to Arizona or wherever the hell it's going. Yeah. Plus, obviously, the festival fee, and you're like, Jesus Christ, yeah. you know, it's actually costing more than the film. It does, <laughs> yeah. You've got to have a full budget for that. Yeah. I think that's why a lot of Kickstarters now, Indiegogo, is they, yeah. they ask for that extra bit more for the festival run. Because yeah. how can you afford to do it? Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Um, but yeah, I think what helps with, certainly with Ethel, for you guys, is that the people who've worked with you in the past and yeah. go, well, we can be working with them in the future. So yeah, of course we'll come and do your short. It's, yeah. a, it's a good way to go. For people who haven't got that sort of background, it can be a lot harder to get a great DP or great camera or great yeah. actors. But, you know, you've just got to, you've got to go for it. You've got to go for it. You've got to start yeah. somewhere. But you? I think the magic of that is, and <clears throat> certainly something I've, I guess, learned more recently than ever, is just ask. Yeah. Like there are so many actors that aren't are sitting around not really doing that much. Mm-hmm. And if they get an offer, they'll go, you know what? 
I'm not doing anything that week. I might as well. If the script's the, good. The same yeah. with agents. Well, I was going to say, just before the just ask, and this is fundamental to anything featured, short, whatever, you, uh, is the script has to be good. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. If the script's good and above, then people will want to do it, you know, because yeah. they'll, they'll see a value in it. Um, but, yeah, the just ask it, it is fascinating because I spent – probably at least 15 years not asking i was yeah. just writing 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 and, and kind of talking to people oh no one lets me make a film mm-hmm. but i hadn't actually asked anyone if i could make a film uh you yeah just knock on doors so mm-hmm. much of it's about networking the worst case scenario yeah. is you're gonna be exactly the same place right yeah which is it's a no from us sorry and that's okay yeah you can accept a no yeah and they say no this time but in three films time or when you're doing your feature they'll go oh yeah we turned that guy down mm-hmm. but yeah, you know what? I'll give it a shot. Yeah, especially if the, if the thing they turn down is good and they've seen it. And then exactly. it's the next thing. Yeah. Speaking of which, one of the things that our listeners would be fascinated by is to be able to see some of the work that you're talking about. So those short films that, I mean, obviously there's some features we can talk about, which mm. they, they'll be able to see, which are widely available. But the shorts, because so many of the people who listen to, to this podcast, they, they're in, they're getting into the, to the, the filmmaking space by starting with a short film or something. I bet they'd love to see those films you just talked about, like Ethel and the other two. Is there anywhere can, can you play, let people see them? Make them first? <laughs> Have you not finished them? So, well, well, well <laughs> what have you been doing for the last 40 minutes? <laughs> welcome to the Powder Keg. We filmed four, week, three, four weekends ago. Oh, yeah, so, so that's in post new. now um, and got just incredible crew behind it mm. from like really big films and a brilliant cast yeah really great uh, geth and anthony was the lead from uh, game of thrones great. and just fabulous yeah mm-hmm. um and then ethel's shooting it's getting ready for crowdfunding really soon it's shooting um week commencing 13th of august so there will be a massive crowdfunding campaign behind that because we're getting some great names attached at the moment fabulous. um and then we're doing a little short, uh, which is a proof of concept for Vampires of Soho with Andy Edwards, who did I'd Be Thrown Dead. Cool. Um, so we're helping out on that as a sort of a associate type of producer. But role. Devilwood is available on iTunes. Yeah. And <laughs> there we go. Is it? Is it actually still available? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Great. So there yeah. we go. We can watch Devilwood. You can. And it's wonderful. <laughs> no, it is actually. I, it is actually. It, it really is. No, no, it was, but anyone who gets a film made is a bloody yeah. miracle. It's isn't a it? bloody so miracle. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this was just you've got, uh, raising some money from your friends and going out and shooting it. Myself and my wife put in five grand, and we mm-hmm. turned to three friends. This was just pre-crash, and said, "So you just had Christmas bonus." John Sims read it, uh, and and. He was in a hiatus between the two Life on Mars series. He had four weeks off, literally. It was that kind of crazy turnaround on that show. And he was like, I I just want to have a month off and just relax Mm because I know I'm in for another eight months in Manchester and blah, blah, blah. And then he read it and he went, you know, I've always wanted to be a highwayman ever since Richard um, O'Sullivan's Dick Turpin. And that's the reason I wrote it. I was like, me too. So he's like, okay, let's do this. Let's do this. And did you know him already? Uh, so, yeah, so his wife, Kate McGann, who's an actress that I've worked mm. with three times as well, um, she, uh, we met on Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet. In fact, that's where I met Galvin as well earlier. Ah. It, it, was, it was quite the set, that one. Yeah. And um, <laughs> we stayed in touch for, yeah, probably about five, six years. And I just said, I've written this thing. There's a part for you. Bye. There's definitely a part for John. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're not available, <laughs> so very, very kindly she showed it to him, and, and uh, yeah, he just yeah, he, he just clicked, it. and then and then my 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 mates that worked in the city just went, yeah, that looks fun. 
these were the days of when people with money just went, yeah, that's pre-tax that write-off. Yeah, like you're yeah, having to, exactly. it's either to the tax man or you can invest into yeah. Yeah. this. But I, I think you know one of the key bits of advice is become a runner mm. because if you're a runner, you might be the guy picking up the act or girl picking up the actor spend an hour in the car with every day in solid traffic mm-hmm. at some point you're just going to talk about hey so what are you doing yeah mm-hmm. so what are you doing you know yeah. rather than it being an addison lee driver and and you never know because we've so we've had a couple of runners on our shoots i mean don dom lenoir being one of them mm-hmm. he's just produced winter ridge he's that just won yeah, yeah so he's just well, won lift festival us. unfortunately he was yes what Rude. Um, right. okay, Let's well. go. and yeah i mean he was a runner for us you know yeah. uh, you on go. we still kill, kill. yeah yeah then he drove me home and picked my brains about filmmaking and directing how'd you get into well you know i could have said wait three years and you can listen to a podcast podcast about it yeah because in the future there's going to be this amazing podcast yeah, to help I'm telling you now it's the indie future. filmmakers yeah, yeah. also we just all want to help each other don't we yeah we I do. mean yeah. the normal ones of the us normal but ones there of aren't us. always uh, yeah that's very true yeah so we went from that making Devil Wood and then you said okay I want to make a feature and you thought about Tuesday again starring John Sim how did that come about so yeah I mean I I always wanted to make a feature but, but actually what happened was with Devil Wood because it won a some international awards it got option to become a tv show which was obviously fairly unusual for a short film mm. we screened at bafta and all these kind of lovely things happened and the, the three lovely guys johnny paul and nigel kind of went so we're we're now like international producers. prize winning producers so <laughs> what next i said well featured rather than doing another short and they said okay i was like Right, <laughs> where's this conversation going? And and about a week later, we met again for dinner, and they said, "So we brought in one guy each from each of our firms. Um, can you make a movie for 150 grand?" And you went, "Yeah, yeah. Well, of course, <laughs> yeah, of course, so freaking well, Of course, That's I can. Just your salary, though, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You mean? I said I can, but, yeah. but what's the budget? <laughs> Stole your joke. That's right. Yeah, it's, um, it's better. <laughs> Much better delivery. Yeah, we know. But I was kind of like, yeah, no, absolutely, of course. And then, of course, sat on the tube on the way home and kind of went, how am I going to do this? So I went through all the scripts I had written because it was kind of a bit, bit of a time pressure thing because it, 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 150 grand fitted into the sort of uh, uh, investment scheme model kind of thing, and mm. it was a tax year coming up and all those kind of things. So I, I, fa- I found a, a screenplay that I'd written. About three years prior, uh, which is a bank robbery film, but I'd written it after seeing Rashomon, which is kind of a different mm. perspective. Same tale, you see the same action, but just from different points of view. And I had this no- notion that a bank robbery might be quite an interesting one. If the well, the initial concept was what happens if more than one group of people rob the same bank on the same day. That was mm. that was the kind of high concept. And then I was like, but what happens if we see each of each person's perspective on that. So the bank tellers, the gang, the loan guy, the, the, the cop that just happened to be there, the bank manager and what have you. Um, so I kind of scaled it down a bit. It was quite grand in a, a heat kind of way initially. Um, so I scaled it down and, and we kind of went, yes, we can make this for 150 grand. I then begged John and Kate to come back, which they did. Phil Glenister was supposed to be in Devilwood, uh, but he had laryngitis literally the night before. So I phoned him up and said, listen, if you don't do this, you owe me two. (laughs) Yes. And he laughed for about an hour and then, oh, do you know what? All right, Sasha. Um, (laughs) 
Kev McNally came via those guys because of Life on Mars, and I had to go and visit Kev down in his house uh, near Richmond. And um, uh, he said, his agent said, he, he wants to talk to you face to face if you go, he's not convinced about digital technology because mm. it was very early, it was three chip and all the rest of it. So I knocks on his door, he rips the door open, he goes, Yes! I said, Oh, Miss McNally, I'm Sasha. He goes, Come in, come in. This is my wife, Phyllis, who's obviously from Downton Abbey and everything. He said, What do you want? A can of wife beater? <laughs> <laughs> so we had two Stellas and sat in his front room, which just had musical instruments everywhere. And he said, Talk to me about digital filming and why on earth it's going to be as good as Pirates of the Caribbean. So I showed him Devilwood and, and did a bit of a pitch, and he just went, Let's do this. Brilliant. So that he was wow. in the can. And then um I for the young guy that was in, in the in the gang, uh through a friend who worked on About a Boy, he reached out to Nicholas Holt, who was now probably about, I don't know, eighteen, nineteen, maybe twenty, and just starting on his adult career. And um reached out to him and the agent came back and said he loves the scripts. So I was like, Yay! And then she said Oh no, I've just spoken to him. He's just booked a holiday when you're filming. So I was like, oh no, never mind. So I then got a call back from someone that I'd actually approached six months earlier, and they, the agent had completely ignored me. And it was Ashley Walters, yeah. who I'd worked with three years prior on a TV show. And he'd, he'd said to me at the end of the shoot, he said, listen, mate, if you, if you ever get a movie going, because we talked about making movies, he says, if you ever get a movie going, give me, a, give me a shout, give me an agent shout, I'll definitely do it. Wow. And then he came back and said, I'm available. This sounds great. And, you know, all right, let's do it kind of thing. Mm. So we booked him. And then, of course, Nicholas Holt cancelled his holiday and phoned <laughs> up and said, I'm available. It's like, ah! <laughs> but being kind of that honourable kind of person, said, oh, God, we've just booked someone else. And he's, you know, he's someone I know. And it would be awful. And, uh, who was I to know? Holt would then go on to do Mad Max, etc. <laughs> um, anyway, at the, end of, <laughs> at the end of the filming, three weeks filming, Ashley comes up to me and goes, have we met before? <laughs> Seriously? <laughs> so having, having gone to the agent six months prior and said, Ashley said, you know, yeah. just give him a shout. <laughs> and it's cool. He had no recollection of this at all. I have no idea who you are. That's yeah. brilliant. That's funny. That's great. See, we could talk. I, there's so much we could talk about with you guys that you've done from the past. But yeah. I think let's jump to Tango 1. Sure. And then we could. I'm sure there'll be other bits that delve in of course. how Tango 1 happened. Yeah. Mm. Hey, filmmaking podcast gang of mofos. I know, it's me. I'm jumping in to tell you this is a two-parter. Sasha, I know you'll be happy with this. I know you wanted a two-parter. Congratulations, you've got one. Again, there was too much filmmaking knowledge for me to cut anything out. I didn't want to take anything that was useful to you out. And I'm trying to keep the podcasts bite-sized so they're not an hour 30 so they're 30 minutes 40 minutes 50 minutes so we can keep growing speaking of which do you know what we really love and appreciate is you guys telling your filmmaking buddies about the podcast pass it on we want more people to hear about this by getting more people aware of what we do then we can get even more amazing guests on and keep helping you in every little way we can spread the love 
retweet us, etc. At Filmmakers Pod, share the link, subscribe to us on iTunes, get the pods direct to your device, updated and ready for you to listen to them wherever you listen to your podcasts. You could be walking the dog, going for a run, you could be in the gym, you could be in the bath. Wherever you are, you can get them direct. Oh, remember, yes, get your indie film shout-outs to us. Tell us what you're doing, how you're doing it, and we will support you in any way we can. Hashtag make your film, make it happen. So, part two will be out Friday. Actually, it'll probably be Thursday night. Late in the wee hours by the time I actually upload it. But it'll be out Friday anyway. And on it. Sasha and Trisha tell us more about the best way to make indie films and chat about their latest feature, Tango One. Sasha tells us about his Midsummer Night's Dream feature, which stars Harry Jarvis from my film, The Dare. Midsummer Night's Dream is also produced by Parkhouse Pictures, who are producing one of my next features, The Nobodies. It is a small world. The indie film is a small world. People do know each other. The amount of people who've been on the podcast who've known other people who've been on the podcast. It's a really small indie film world. Get to know it. Turn up at the festivals. Turn up at screenings. Support people on Indiegogo, on, on, on Kickstarter. Do it. Say hello. Retweet all our guests. Say thank you for giving me knowledge. Keep doing it. Um, also on the podcast, they talk about getting money from the investor and getting Universal Pictures on board. And how it's all still essentially indie film. It's all about prep. You want something doing, do it yourself. Doesn't matter how much money you've got. That is all for you on part two, released Friday. This is the Filmmakers Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time, you wonderful, wonderful people, you. Make your film. Go out, do it. Write your script. Be inspired. Get on it. Till then. Goodbye.